0: Hi,
1: I'm Patricia Grabarek,
0: And I'm Katina Sawyer, and welcome to the Worker Being Podcast. Today we have Patricia uh, telling us about an article that she read. Do you want to give us like a quick summary of what the uh, episode today is going to be about, Patricia?
1: Sure. It's about proactive work behavior. So basically doing um, something at work. So the employee that is doing proactive work behavior, there. Trying to make things happen. They're making some changes, positive changes to processes, procedures, the way the work is done um, to help the company improve internally um, and how that affects well-being and as well as how management style can impact well-being when people are doing this type of behavior. So it's a little bit, maybe a little bit more complicated than some of the concepts we've talked about before, but the findings are super interesting and Basically, talks about how if you're a blaming boss that doesn't let people make mistakes, you're really harming your employees.
0: Hmm. I like that. So, we're going to talk a little bit about what happens when people try to make changes in their work environment and then how managers react to that and how it impacts well being. Yep. Cool. Exactly. That's awesome. I'm excited uh, to hear more. Uh, but before we delve into the article, today is a special day. Because it is Yay. our two-year anniversary. It's our birthday. It's, it's our, our birthday. birthday. <laughs> yeah. <And laughs> we're two. We're, we're, we're two. Wow, well, it's so exciting. We didn't yeah. uh, Um, We were texting about it earlier today, just so our listeners know, and I said to Patricia like we didn't even get ourselves a cake (laughs) (laughs) I know I'm like "Mm, I might need to buy some cupcakes cupcakes later (laughs) I want presents I want cake I want candles I want someone to sing to us Um, (laughs) but it is really exciting because it's two years from the idea generation Um, so this is like you know when we first it was just a little just a little twinkle in our eye like they say about babies <laughs> that's creepy but it is creepy but it's less
1: creepy when you say it in regards to something like worker being that's true like, <laughs> it could be a twinkle in your
0: eye in a yeah, non-creepy way it could be a non-creepy <laughs> twinkle that's true um yeah but yeah so uh and in, in commemoration of our birth <laughs> <we> <laughs> Uh, looking through uh, just some like stats for the podcast and like how far things have gone. We did a little walk down memory lane and it is really cool. And we're so thankful to all of you that have been listening because, you know, we have just from the time that we thought of this idea till now, we feel like just so lucky to have such awesome listeners and followers. And um, we certainly have a lot to learn and we have a lot more to grow, but. We're really proud of what we've been able to do so far. And we were just looking at some of the um, podcast stats and we were really excited. We're in like 46. We have listeners from 46 states, right? Yes. 46
1: states and 32 countries. Yeah. So, yay. We're so grateful for all of you from all over the world and all over the, the U.S., that are listening in. I mean, the majority of our listeners are from the US, um, but we do have a good sprinkling across 32 different countries. Yeah. So welcome, welcome. We love that you guys are listening in and we'd love to hear from you, especially, um, you know, folks maybe that are international where we don't always touch on international issues. So please, please write in because we want to hear your stories and, and what it's like in your country I'm around some of these topics. So um, yeah. it is very exciting to see that that wide range of listeners, um, especially cause the podcast, I mean, broker being was discussed two years ago today, but the podcast didn't even launch until August. So I feel like there's yeah. been some really exciting growth and I hope we can keep it going.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So just thank you so much to every one of you that's listening right now or, um, that has been listening, uh, for a while. We just really appreciate your support and obviously, Without, you know, people to read our posts or listen to the podcast or subscribe to our newsletter, any of that good stuff, we can't do any of the things that we like doing, which is, you know, trying to spread the word about good science on workplace well-being. So we're just so happy to be able to do this and it's because you all let us do it. So um, thanks so much and and continue to spread the word about it because um, we would love to see uh, our our message gets spread to all fifty states and all the countries. That would be really cool. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that was really exciting news on today, our birthday.
1: Our birthday, <laughs>
0: birthday. I like. How our are you feeling songs. on our birthday? Overall? I'm feeling good on our birthday. Um, yeah, yeah. I I uh, felt a little bit sleepy earlier, so I took a nap, which I don't usually take naps. But <gasps> I did. Me
1: too. Did you? <laughs> Yes, I felt the same day. way.
0: Yeah, I was like, it was oh, a nap I kind day. of
1: feel tired for no reason, and I was like, I'm yeah. gonna do a, you know, a little naparoo for. Yeah, it was like 20 minutes, and it was actually perfect because I got up and I was like, boom, ready to go again.
0: Ready to go, and yeah, mm-hmm. so and I have some work to do tonight. I have to re- like edit, uh, revision for manuscript and stuff like that, and I just like wasn't feeling like my brain couldn't look at it. You know how sometimes that happens where you're like, my brain needs to look at something, but it can't look at mm-hmm. it like I knew it wasn't going to be good if I looked at it so I was like I right. need a little nap and then I'll record the podcast and then I'll hop back on it I also drank coffee before I started talking to you <laughs> too so I have lots well, of caffeine coffee in the, is good too caffeine in the system and it's not great because it's like 8 8 p.m here but I also am like fairly immune to caffeine at this point so I'll still be able to sleep tonight
1: yeah, you're also a late bird. You're not a I morning am a late owl, bird. so or wait, that's us say not. the way around: morning bird, a late owl. whatever.
0: There's, <laughs> there's night no owl. morning bird. Early there's bird. There's no morning owl. <laughs> <laughs> owl, but are there's gone also the morning. no morning bird. There's a, there's well, there is a morning bird. There's no morning bird. There's an early bird early bird, and a night owl. <laughs>
1: I clearly don't know what I'm
0: talking <laughs> you about. Don't know. Maybe the
1: nap didn't do a good job. You're foul. <laughs> your,
0: your bird identification and the timing is way off. Yes. Oh my god. Not so good. Um, That's okay. Yes, we're not worker
1: uh, birds. We're worker bees. So we're good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we know all about insects. The, the morning,
1: Actually not at all. Don't ask me questions.
0: <laughs> the morning ants and the night spider i don't know <laughs> Ew, okay yeah, that's gross
1: yeah we're not doing that anymore <laughs> i don't want to be a night spider no no, no. Ew, too many legs rejection of that idea yep. yeah we're Outward done rejection. that's not happening yeah not happening bugs
0: are all bugs except for bees are disgraced from this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> oh goodness well 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 <laughs> um but that's funny that we both took naps how are you feeling in general how was your day what's going on with you
1: good I'm feeling good yeah I just um I don't really know why I mean I think why I needed a nap I think I just didn't sleep super well last night like I kind of woke up a few times and I don't know why it was just a, a little bit of a meh night and so I was feeling sleepy and um after I got like all the major things I had to get done took a little naparoo so that I'd be ready for this conversation. And now I feel chipper and I feel like I can get more stuff done if I wanted to later, but I actually might take a good break. Um, because well, the bachelorette is on. So yeah, there you go. (laughs) I mean, I have to prioritize that obviously.
0: Yes. I mean, as you, as you know, I have never viewed the show, but I know a lot of people that love it and I understand wanting to take a break to watch your program of choice because I also have times where I wish to take a break to watch my program of choice. And most of my programs of choice have to do with food competitions. <laughs> <laughs> you have <laughs> a lot of I competition totally ones too. yeah, Like
1: dance. You do a lot of dance competitions. Yes.
0: Ones. Yes. Uh, that is true. World of dance. Very true. Um, mm-hmm. And I really like all the like food, like, best baker and best this and but like i get really into those kinds of shows and i don't know what it (laughs) is about the formula of like food network type shows but like whatever that formula is my brain likes it um so i also like that you can like kind of pay attention but you don't have to pay full attention to it because sometimes i'll try to do like a little work while i'm doing it and then i feel like minorly productive because it's not like it doesn't require like tons and tons of attention
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that. I like a lot of those garbage reality TV shows because of that, too. It's like, yeah, I can watch it, but like sort of
0: not watch it.
1: And you're not going to like if you miss a couple minutes of like The Bachelorette talking to some random dude, I think it's going to be okay. Like you're You're not not going to be like, oh, no, now I major.
0: Now I don't understand at all what happened. Like, yeah, or what's going on. I'm so lost. (laughs) This plot is so confusing. (laughs) Yeah, no, it doesn't happen. So it's
1: totally (laughs) easy to. To multitask with a lot of those shows. And I agree. I feel like I have a lot of those types of shows where I just, I don't fully veg out. I like kind of do some other stuff on the side, but I like those. I don't know. Me too. It works for me.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that anything that you can find sort of like relaxing in that way is, it's all good. Whatever it is that makes you happy and lets you, lets you be you. Agreed. Agreed. Well, Agreed. let's talk
1: about this article now because okay. I think it's really cool and interesting, and hopefully you will feel the same way. I'm sure. Um, I will. Let me start with giving you the title and all that good stuff. So, yes, the title is "Does Daily Proactivity Affect Wellbeing? The Moderating Role of Punitive Supervision." Um, mm. And it was published in the Journal of Organizational Behavior this year, 2019, by Kenjiano Park and You. So, new article, new research. Yeah. Um, it's not really an area that I know a ton about, so I'm excited to dive into it, and I'm excited to have read up on all this. Um, yes. And I think you'll find it super interesting, just because um, they find... They just have some really interesting findings, and I kind of mentioned them a little bit already, but it's really showing that, you know, being doing these proactive behaviors which I'll describe in a little bit is really helpful to helping employees feel com- competent in their work and helping them have higher vitality or feeling more energized but then if they have those punitive supervisors or supervisors that will you know blame people and um, don't let people make mistakes or get away with mistakes in any positive way then that actually has kind of the opposite effect. Then employees start to feel anxiety, and then hmm. because they have that anxiety, they don't detach from work at the end of the day. So hmm. they don't take those breaks at all at the end of the day, and they're feeling they're constantly like worrying and ruminating on the work day. Um, so it kind of has this negative effect. So then in that case, you know, doing this proactive work behavior is actually not helping your
0: well-being. Hmm. So I think that that's really interesting because. There's a lot of conversation in organizations right now about, you know, innovation and trying to change, you know, change your workplace for the better and shaking things up and, um, you know, making suggestions for improvement and employee voice and all this kind of, um, you know, focus on getting feedback. Um, so it's kind of interesting to think about, OK, but if you're in an environment that doesn't really support um what happens in the aftermath of doing that or that isn't open to the idea that, you know, you uh, you might be able to make a suggestion, but maybe it doesn't end up being adopted or whatever the case may be that, you know, that's OK. The next time around, you might not feel comfortable or you might be ruminating over the fact that it didn't go so well. So could you talk a little bit about just because I know that that's kind of a popular narrative in organizations Like, could you talk a little bit about what they mean by this constructive um Uh, Feedback because, you know, for me, it sounds kind of similar to this kind of idea of changing your workplace uh, for the better and making suggestions to kind of make things run more smoothly. Yeah. So you're
1: really on track as to what it means. So basically, they talk about it as being this behavior or you, you know, employees are engaging in making something happen in the workplace that's going to make a change for the positive within the company's environment. So within your team, within your p- specific job, within the broader company. Um, so kind of going out of your way, this is outside of your job description and coming up with um, ways to improve. So the kinds of questions that you could ask someone to know if they're doing this proactive work behavior are things like I came up with ideas to improve the way in which my core tasks are done. Or I initiated better ways of doing my core tasks. Or I generated creative ideas. So it's really about new ideas about something that's been going on for a while. And the Mm -hmm. things that they focus on specifically are that it has to be self-initiated. So like as an employee, I'm the one deciding to make this change. Mm -hmm. So no one's telling me to make the change. No one's saying, hey, will you take some time to think about a new way to do X, Y, Z? It's I'm sitting here and I'm like, hey, I think we can make do this better. And I'm self initiating that I'm choosing to make that decision to to work on that um, update or project or whatever it looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, It has to be change oriented. So it has to be something that an employee is trying to change for the better. So it's not just I am now choosing to take on, you know, to do this additional project for a client just because the client asked me to. So I'm going to do that and I'm going to, you know, keep doing my job normally, but I'm actually changing something significant. Mm -hmm. And then future focused. So it's something that, you know, we'll make improvements in the future. It's looking forward. It's not reacting. It's not like, oh, that didn't go well. So now I'm going to change the way I'm approaching it. It's, huh, like this has been working fine, but I think we could be more efficient. So let's focus on doing it differently in the future. It's not in reaction to something that's happened. It's really focused on the future. Um, So like I try to think of examples of this and, you know, it could just be something as simple as like, You know, we um we've been dealing with this some a little bit at Infor. It's like we were looking at PowerPoints and we've had the same way of presenting information to our clients for as long as I've been here and probably before I was here. Um Mm -hmm. so at least five years, but definitely more. Um and we spent some time thinking like somebody one of my teammates, um, who's she's just like really good about PowerPoints think about that stuff she was like you know what like there's probably a better way for us to present this information than what we're doing today and so she started changing the decks and you know talking to people to to make these um, presentations more interesting and more engaging and more modern so she chose to do that no one said hey we need to update these slides right Um, she was focusing on making a change um, that would you know impact how work is done But it's also future focus. It wasn't because it wasn't working. It's been working just fine, but she thought it could be better.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think a lot of times in um, faculty roles that could happen with like updating curriculum for us, like, you know, maybe your courses are fine and the students aren't complaining about them and the classes are going well, but you realize that there's something happening in the marketplace that your courses are not reflecting. And so you might get together and say, okay, we need to revamp this class or we need to um, create a new course that might cover some content that we haven't covered before to make sure that we're keeping up with what's going on in the external market. It's not necessary to do. You don't have to do it in order to, you know, maintain student enrollments. But you think it would probably improve the program, the quality of the program, and what students get out of it after they're done. So, yeah, I think that that's a good example of, you know, you're kind of... Improving something on your own because it would do something good for the company, but it's not like, oh, we got these really bad reviews on this or our clients are complaining about our presentation. So we have to make a change or Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to take on an extra client and put together a presentation that's similar to the ones that we have put together before, but I'm taking on extra work. It's like I'm going out of my way to make some kind of like instrumental positive change in the organization um, without being prompted to do so. Exactly. Yep. And other research
1: before this study um, really looked a lot at performance and how these kinds of proactive work behaviors help employees in terms of performance ratings. And so employees that are proactive and do these types of things generally have better performance ratings. They're more likely to be promoted and they tend to have more successful careers. I don't really know how that was defined, but I'm assuming in kind of a standard approach to successful, like being mm-hmm. promoted and continuing to grow within a company or something like that. right? Um, so basically being proactive helps the employee in terms of success and promotion. And then it helps the company in terms of performance and doing better and, you know, coming up with these new ideas that make things more efficient and they're seen as higher performers. So it's, there's a lot of incentive for companies to want employees to participate in this type of proactive work behavior or to do these types of things because that will help improve their processes as well as, you know, having higher um, performing employees. So Mm -hmm. lots of positives there. And this is the first study that really looked at well-being in regards to this behavior. So if I'm going out of my way to, you know, create these changes to improve my tasks or or processes within the team or whatever that looks like, you know, how does that impact me from a well-being perspective? Because companies are asking people to do this or want people to do this and rewarding them by giving them better performance ratings. What impact does it have from a well-being perspective?
0: Yeah. So it's like if my company expects that I'm going to be innovative or thinking of ways to improve or if I know of a way that could improve a process that I would call that to their attention and make those changes, that they expect that or they would hope that people are doing that. But on one hand, you might think that you might get some positive boost because people recognize you for doing those things and you feel good about yourself and you feel happy that you made that suggestion. On the other hand, you might feel like you're uh, working harder and longer and if you're not getting recognition or um, maybe you get negative feedback um, or something goes wrong and you get in trouble or something like that, that... Uh, it might have the opposite effect that actually you might be putting in this extra time and energy and it would detract from your wellness, um, even though the sentiment is one that the organization wants to promote.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So, what they found, I mean, is pretty much exactly that. So, if an employee is being proactive, at work then they're more likely to feel competent which makes sense right they feel like i can do my job i am effective in my job i'm able to follow through with these types of self-initiated projects or you know making these changes like um there's a lot of talk in this article about how making these changes actually can be pretty hard like you Mm -hmm. have to convince people to change the way they're doing a process you have to um you know talk uh, to leaders about whatever change you think makes sense or any of those types of things. Like there's a lot of different steps to the process of making a change to improve the company. Um, So being able to do that is challenging. And so if you're doing something challenging, then you're going to feel really competent and feel like you're doing something good and that you're capable and that's great. And that leads to you feeling more vitality. So these people in the study, they felt more energized. They felt more alive. They felt a lot of vigor, like they were really excited, and it kind of helped um, them feel very energetic. And being able to continue working, and you know, after they leave work, they feel good too because they were able to accomplish something and feel really competent. So vitality is often um, used in measuring well-being or a component of well-being, and mm-hmm. that's what they looked at here is is vitality. So that energizing feeling that you can get from work, and hmm. it really made a different a difference. These People being proactive really, really felt better and felt more energized than people that were less proactive.
0: That's cool. Um, Yeah. So in general, it helps people to uh, engage in these behaviors. Exactly. Um, Is there, you mentioned there's like a caveat about how managers react though. How does that come into play within this article?
1: Yes. So from a general perspective, it's really a good thing um, when people are proactive. So you don't see, they actually thought that there might be a, a negative side in and of itself that like you had mentioned, do being proactive at work might make cause more work for yourself and make you feel stressed, et cetera. But that they didn't find that unless you had a supervisor that was blaming people for mistakes. So basically people, supervisors that react negatively to employees' mistakes, maybe they yell at them, maybe they criticize them, maybe they punish them. Um, the types of questions they asked to find out if a person was a blame-oriented supervisor or a punitive supervisor were um, my supervisor gets angry or upset with staff if they make a mistake. My supervisor takes responsibility away from staff if they make a mistake, and my supervisor blames staff personally if things go wrong. Hmm. So it's really about the leader, the supervisor, the manager blaming you if you do something wrong. Yeah, And they talk about this being kind of the opposite of psychological safety. So these people do not make it safe for employees to feel like they can, you know, take a risk and try to change a process or try to change the way something's done. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, generally being proactive and these proactive work behaviors do have some risk involved because you don't know what, if it's actually going to make a difference. You don't know if people are going to accept it or want to make that change or whatever. Um, and if you don't have a supervisor that will support you, if you have someone that's going to blame you, if it goes wrong, then you don't have a lot of, um, incentive to do it first of all. And if you do do it, you actually start to feel anxious. Yeah. So you, you feel anxiety that, oh my gosh, like, okay, I made this, um, change or I'm going to make this change and now I start to feel anxious and when I start to feel anxious then when I get home I keep thinking about it and I don't detach from work
0: yeah that makes sense and it's interesting to uh, relate this idea to wellness because I know just broadly in uh, conversations that I've heard people having um, in the you know practitioner end of things, like clients that I've, you know, worked with or professional association events that I've gone to where I've heard people talking about these kinds of things from an innovation perspective, I think that people often talk about how if you're not able to promote an environment that supports innovative ideas or change Then what ends up happening is, you know, people see, oh, well, yeah, that person had a good idea and it worked and they got praised. But then the next time when they tried something and it didn't work, they got punished. So I'm not even going to try because I have I don't have to do this in order to do well in my job. This is like a nice to do, but not a needs to do. And if Mm -hmm. there's a if there's a negative outcome associated with it, then it makes it less likely That, you know, I'm going to the cost benefit analysis changes right in people's minds. Like if it's not something necessary and there's a possibility it might be harmful to me, then I'm just not going to engage because the benefit does not weigh the potential cost. Um, But I feel like, you know, a lot of companies that have been more innovative or on the cutting edge of innovation have sort of been thinking this way, but haven't really known why it works or how it works and it certainly hasn't been linked to well-being outcomes for employees yet so i think Mm -hmm. that that's really interesting um i actually heard the uh former i think he was the coo of pixar talking about this that they tried to create an environment where uh, people could take risks um, and, and as long as they were calculated risks that weren't like f- completely foolish, right? Like just something that you're trying, but you haven't thought it through, or if you tried something and you haven't really thought it through, um, and then you learn from that mistake and don't repeat it. You know what I mean? Like if, as mm-hmm. long as it's not just like somebody that continues making errors, cause that's a different thing that they really worked on like innovation management from that perspective of, uh, trying to even when things failed trying to recap like okay well what was the learning and like thanking people for trying to take the risk and they had an award for like best failed idea um (laughs) yeah so like they were talking about how they were doing that but I think that they knew that it was important for productivity but I don't think that they were thinking about it from a wellness perspective
1: yeah yeah I think it's really cool that this aligns though and I feel like it's um a similar story that we hear over and over again right the happy productive worker happy productive worker yeah and i feel like we see it time and time again that employees that are happy or feeling good in some way they tend to be more productive and we're seeing that in a very in a different way in this study but it's a similar idea right if you're yeah. being creative and trying to come up with new ideas and trying to make improvements you tend to feel better so it's almost like in this case they're seeing that being productive in a way right because you're doing these proactive behaviors leads to some well-being so there's yeah a kind of the relationship goes both ways um, and I think it's really critical that people have that space and that safety to make a yeah. mistake and I think this study really highlights that with those supervisors that would blame people for mistakes versus embracing that and like you said come up with learnings figure out what they're going to do next how do they improve versus focusing it on the negative of the mistake and i agree right. like it doesn't matter that the mistake is like something that's thought through and they're trying something new versus just like today i am randomly gonna not have a powerpoint when i go to my right, client right, meeting right, for right, no good right, reason right. right 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 um but if you want to promote these kinds of behaviors you have to be accepting of the fact that they're not always going to be the best
0: yeah that makes perfect sense um, yeah. And make people not afraid to try something because if they're afraid mm-hmm. to try, then it's like the point of the point of having that environment or the, um, you know, the message that you're giving like, oh, we want you to think outside the box and try new stuff. Well, it doesn't really resonate with people if they know that if whatever their new stuff is that they try doesn't work, that they're going to be in trouble or they're going to get yelled at. It's like, well, you don't really mean it. Right. So like in, mm-hmm. ex- allowing for experimentation means that you have to honor the whole part of the process which means that you have to try things and be willing to accept that not every idea someone has is going to work but uh you know even if as long as they're not like catastrophically bad or again like not well thought out that you know a- if every fifth idea someone has works then you've got five times the improvements that you would have had if none of those ideas came to the fore at all mm-hmm agreed yeah I think it's really interesting
1: um two about the the negative side so the anxiety piece like you if you have a supervisor that you know will get mad at mistakes you don't even have to have made a mistake yet to feel anxiety yeah you don't even have to have made a mistake to not be able to like relax when you get home and that is pretty intense I think so it's like here we are like if you are able to create this safe environment people feel more energized and vigorous and alive and they're excited and They feel competent and it's awesome. Even if they make a mistake, like it doesn't matter because they're doing this and being proactive, but then they might be doing some sort of proactive behavior, might be coming up with some new idea and maybe it's going to turn out great, but because they know their supervisor gets mad about these mistakes, that anxiety is still going to increase and they're still going to have a hard time detaching. So it's not, you know, the mistake piece is important because that's the kind of culture you need to have to let people create and be proactive, but it's not even whether or not you make a mistake or not. Like, that has nothing to do with how you feel and how this impacts your well-being. So it's just knowing what environment you're in. So if you are in a bad environment, if you're in an environment where you will be blamed for a mistake, you're going to feel anxious. And that's terrible. Like, that, you know, you could have a perfect idea that ends up working out really well. And instead of walking away from that feeling great, you still might have some residuals from the anxiety that you felt leading up to figuring out if it's going to work or not.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, and that makes perfect sense, too, because there's so much work on the impact of rumination um, when you're at home, what the impact of thinking about your job uh, while you're off the job does for your well-being. And when you are ruminating over things that are stressful for you, it does tend to have a negative impact um, on your work the next day. It has a negative impact on your job attitudes because it's like, you're you know constantly processing negative job information and we all do it right like uh, this isn't some like thing that lives in a study but not in reality for people like I'm sure it resonates with a lot of people listening like Mm -hmm. when you leave work it's not like you leave all your thoughts about work there you keep thinking about different things that people said or did and Um, If you're really worried about how people are perceiving you or what people think about you at work and then you bring that home or you're worried that you're going to get in trouble for something or you're worried that, you know, you're going to set somebody off or, you know, it just creates an environment where people are really paranoid around each other. Um, And that's not an environment where people are able to really make positive strides because it's not comfortable or favorable for anyone. Right.
1: Yeah, it just makes, it kind of breathes this continuous anxiety um, over and over again. So I think that the main things to take away from this study are that, you know, if you have a good work environment, if you have um, some flexibility to take a risk and that's okay, if you don't, if you make a mistake or if the risk doesn't fully pan out every time, then the takeaway is that you should do those types of things. As an employee, you should take some time to focus on how can I improve um, what's going on in my workplace? How can I improve our processes so that you can reap the benefits of feeling competent and feeling that vigor and, um, ener- energy, uh, I can't say the word en- energized <laughs> emotions, yes. whatever, energy, energy, that's <laughs> energy. the word. <laughs> there it is. Um, I feel like energy. Um, so like as an employee, that's something you should think about because there, you know, there is evidence here that that's going to help you feel better every day. And then, but if you're in a place where maybe you don't have that safety, maybe you don't have the ability to make a mistake, then it's probably better just to not even bother. Like, honestly, mm-hmm. just don't bother. Like, you think you yeah. have a good idea, but you might get flack if it doesn't work out well, then just don't bother with it. It's not worth your um, well-being. It's not worth being anxious nonstop. Um and with that, obviously managers and leaders should really focus on creating that environment, that space where people can be proactive and can make mistakes if they are going to um, be able to take some risks and not feel like they're going to get blamed or punished or you know have responsibilities taken away from them for because of a mistake or any of that. So managers and leaders should really focus on creating a good environment where people can be proactive because you will get a lot of benefit as an organization if you have an environment where people can make these changes and improvements and, you know, thinking, like you said, thinking outside of the box and kind of getting out of their comfort zone and doing things outside of what's in their job description to help move the company forward in a really positive way. So yeah, companies should really focus on making that culture.
0: Yeah. And I think just even listening to you talking about that, like how horrible is it to be, you know, a leader or manager in a company and think that your employees might feel like, oh, well, I have these good ideas, but what's the point, right? It's worse for right. me to try to share it. So if you think or you, you know, take a look at the mirror and you feel like that might be the case, that might be how people feel, they feel afraid to take risks, then maybe you need to think about how to change that or to make that different. Um, I know in the instance of the Pixar person um, that uh, he was talking about how, uh, I think I might have talked about this on the podcast before, but like when they were making Toy Story two or three, I think, they almost lost the entire movie when it was like ninety five percent done. Oh, my gosh. yeah. so some somebody who was in charge of creating the backup system for all their servers didn't realize that there was like a glitch in their plan. <gasps> and oh my gosh. um one of the servers got completely deleted. And so what they did was, They made it so that a change on one server got backed up to another server, got backed up to another server. So there were it was in three different places. And the idea was like, well, if one of them would like explode or something would happen, we still have it in two other places. But what they didn't account for was that if the entire movie got deleted somehow, it got deleted from one, deleted from another, deleted from another. And so somehow it got fully deleted from one of the servers and then it backed up. To the other two as deleted. And they basically came in the next morning. Everybody who had been working on this movie for years. And came to basically the conclusion that the movie is gone. And oh gosh. the guy so that was scary. in charge of setting up the backup system was a hundred percent positive he was going to lose his job. I mean that was like he came into work that day being like yeah I'm packing up my stuff like obviously I'm gone. And the um, CEO asked around about how how many people, like, okayed this system. How long did you spend talking about it? And it was clear that, like, a lot of really smart people sat around and talked about it. And it got through many levels. And it was a lot of time and energy went into creating the system. And, like, it was just a mistake that no one one thought about that possibility. And so he was like, you know what? Like, this is a good employee. They they did their best a lot of people overlooked this mistake it was an honest mistake so he started the meeting off about the fact that they had lost the whole movie by saying no one is getting fired um oh, wow. and and everybody in the room was like relieved and it was like okay well even if you make a really terrible mistake as long as you were trying your best to make a good decision and you were trying your best to create a good system and, you know, you went through the processes, you know, necessary to get things approved and whatever, then like you're not gonna just automatically get axed for a mistake. And that and he was talking about how that like really changed the feeling there as soon as they heard that no one was gonna get fired. And the funny thing is that what ended up happening was that a woman who had gone on maternity leave, who was one of the primary animators, had asked the week before if there was any way that she could get a copy of the movie made for her so that she could work on it from home. And someone had approved that, made a copy of it, and, like, put it on some secure server that was in her house. And so she was the only one. Yes. So she... Had the only they like called her and they were like, "Do not touch anything. Don't like you're the only person in the world that has a copy of this movie right now." <laughs> so <laughs> they ended up losing like a couple or like a week's worth of work or something on it, but that was it. So it ended wow. up getting recovered. But um lucky. Yeah. In any event, it was just an interesting story from that perspective that they created that safe environment for people to feel like, okay, well, you know, it wasn't the greatest showing, but nobody's going home, you know, we're all, we're all kind of in it together. Well, I think that also, so not only
1: does that promote the idea of, Hey, you can make a mistake as long as you're working really hard and you're trying to make, do something better, right? You're trying to make improvements. You're trying to do your job well. It's okay. If you don't always succeed, like people are people, we make mistakes, but um, not only does it do that, but I think in this specific situation, you are now opening up everybody to think more freely and more positively to come up with a solution. So like, yes, in this case, probably someone was like, hey, so-and-so has it on their drive. I just remembered, Um, or whatever that looked like, but it could have been a very different situation. It could be like, okay, well, how can we, you know, what other options do we have? And now that everyone's kind of had that weight lifted, I'm sure it allowed them to be more constructive and productive in their approach to the solution than they would have been if they were, you know, focusing on the fact that, Joe got fired and, you know, so-and-so right. is in trouble and like totally. all these negative things. Um, Cause I, th- I that would have made obviously that meeting very depressing and dark yeah. and, yes. um, and it would have probably not been nearly as productive as it could be. So I think that yeah. there's something there too. It's totally, it's not just supporting the mistake and letting people have that space, but it's also letting people pick themselves back up and move forward and, having negative consequences, like extreme negative consequences, would not have allowed them to move forward as positively as they probably did.
0: Yeah, totally. I agree. Um, So is there anything else that you think employees or managers should know about uh, supporting an environment where people can make these positive changes?
1: I don't think so. I think we covered everything that I really wanted to touch on. I mean, it really just comes down to managers and leadership and organizations as a whole being able to make space for people when they make mistakes, being able to give people the room and the flexibility to be proactive, right? So not just, not just making the space to let them make mistakes, but also allowing them the flexibility to make changes and to take control um, of processes and procedures that they're involved in. So, you know, if I'm working at a coffee shop and the way we make, you know, the, the way we do our Latte process, right? You know, it goes to this person, then this person, this person. Then I decide, well, I'll actually, be faster. if One person just does it all. You know, like I right. should be able to get, be given the room to think about it and make that suggestion. So yeah. there's the support side of not blaming someone for mistakes, but also the support and the room to let people be creative and let people have some agency and some control over their own tasks and work yeah. um, environment that helps people get into this proactive space. So. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think from a leadership perspective, there's a lot that you can do. And then I think from an employee perspective, like weigh the risks. If you're in a positive environment um, where you have that room, then go for it. Start being creative and thinking of ways to make improvements.
0: Yeah. Or if you have a supervisor who you think might be open-minded to thinking differently, but hasn't really considered it before, um, maybe think about using this article or this podcast to help them to understand why they might want to think about things a little differently.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Have those conversations. You can, you can always ask your leader, right? So maybe you're saying, Hey, I've been thinking about some processes um, that I want to improve. And maybe you think your, your manager or supervisor will be open to that. Then maybe that's the first, the first time you're proactive, you actually just have a conversation before you start making any changes and diving right in. And I think that's totally okay. And, and seeing if you can get people on board with this approach to, Letting people kind of have some autonomy to make these types of changes.
0: Yeah, definitely. I agree. Well, thank you so much for reading this article. It was really interesting. I've never heard of anything like this before. So um, I'm happy that we got a chance to talk about this brand new research. Thanks. Yeah, I found it really exciting and interesting and I'm glad we're able to discuss it too.
1: And we'd love to hear from all of you if you have any feedback or if you've been in a situation where you maybe you've had a bad supervisor and you couldn't make changes or maybe if you're in a great situation and how that's panned out from you. We'd love to hear your stories, um, both in the u.s and internationally yeah Um, so please reach out you can find us at workerbeing.com you can email us at workerbeing at gmail.com or send us a note on social media on instagram linkedin facebook and twitter at worker being thanks for listening bye the worker being podcast is hosted by
0: us patricia grabar and katina sawyer and produced by Allie johnson Thank you